I'm Shauna Van Bogart, and this is Just Being Seen. I almost got kicked out of college for plagiarizing a paper. I don't even think my parents know this story. So, hey, mom and dad, (laughs) the truth, the truth shall set you free. I was in philosophy class. I was really struggling. There was a term paper due, and it was not because I was out partying or out of laziness because I didn't want to put in the effort. Like, I was obsessed with achieving and a perfectionist about my grades, and I just really struggled with this course. And so my ego was in the way. I was in the way. I wasn't willing to get the support. And frankly, I think I just thought that no one would notice if I went online and if I got a paper and if I reworked it enough then I could get away with it. Well, I didn't because when I turned it in, the next day I get an email from my professor and I will never forget it because it was only a one-line email. And so I'm sitting in my dorm room and I'm reading this one line which says, Shauna, it is imperative. And the, the word imperative was underlined. I will never forget that. It is imperative that you come and see me tomorrow during office hours between four and six. I had a pit in my stomach because I knew, I knew I got caught. But of course, my mind was trying to talk myself out of it. I even was Googling the word imperative and looking the word imperative up to make sure that I fully understood the definition of that because I thought, well, maybe imperative means like, you know, it'd be good to see me or like maybe imperative means, hey, you forgot something in the classroom and so I've got it for you. Not imperative means it's absolutely crucial. You need to come here kind of thing, right? Still to this day, that word is very triggering. So of course I go to his office, he calls me out, I cry. He tells me he's going to give me an opportunity to redo it. He tells me the seriousness of this thing, which of course, of course, that's very serious. He could have kicked me out. And that if I redo it, whatever grade I do get, it will automatically be penalized by two grades. So if I get an A on the paper, it will automatically be dropped to a C. So I walk out bawling and spend the next week rewriting this paper. I somehow get an A on it and that automatically is a C. And I think I ended up with a C minus once the course was all said and done. I don't quite remember, but you better believe I didn't make that mistake again. Here's the reality of the situation. Not only was my ego in the way, not only was I a person who did not want to reach out to support because, of course, pride, but I was lazy. I was lazy because to me, it felt like, well, it'll just be a lot easier for me to find something online and rework it than having to admit and put myself in a vulnerable position that I'm struggling. Like that felt like the absolute worst thing to do. I did not want to do that. Having to admit that we have a vulnerability, having to admit that we have a weakness, having to admit that we're struggling is really freaking difficult. When we are in those positions, our brain and our mind will justify all kinds of things, a lot of times unconsciously. Now, I knew what I was doing. I genuinely think I thought I would get away with it. I did not understand the severity of it because my mind was just like, don't show any weakness, don't show any vulnerability. I was clearly not in a place where I was up for the heavy lifting of going inward and exploring the reasons for why I was struggling in the first place. Many years later in my business, I found myself in a very similar position. It was during a time period where I had a lot of online automation. I had a lot of funnels set up and e-courses, and 
I had really kind of mastered the online space, but I wasn't getting the kinds of conversion that I thought I should be getting at that time period in my career. And there was one particular course that I was running and obviously I was looking for as much results as possible. And I was kind of under the pressure of needing to make this work because I had several years of failures where I was not producing in the way that I should have. I talk a lot about this in season one of Just Being, so please go back and listen to season one. You can hear about my journey. This was before I made a grand pivot back into coaching, and it was just a time period where it was more important to me to not fail than it was to succeed. I feel like I need to say that again because this is what can drive very dysfunctional and frankly unethical behavior. I was more focused on avoiding failure than I was on succeeding. And when you're focused on avoiding failure and then when you're really up against a wall or when you're pinned in a corner and when you're feeling desperate, which is where I was at at this point, and I needed to prove that I can do this. I needed to prove that I can be a business owner, a successful one. You'll do some pretty crazy things. So this wasn't anything too extreme, but I see it happen all the time with other business owners. What I did for part of my funnel is mimic a template from another successful business owner, right? And a lot of times these templates are actually given away or they're included in offerings that successful business owners put out there to show you how to build their business, right? So you take these pre-templated emails that are all pre-scripted for you that are supposedly the magical conversion words that will make everything flow and you just plug and play into your own business. Now I have to say, is that an amazing sales strategy? Of course, because we're all looking for hacks. It feels really good to think that there's some magical shortcut out there. And if we can just find that one strategy or the right words, then everything will just flow and it will just pop. Very rarely do I actually see those pre-templated scripts that were successful for another business owner work for a different business owner. What I had done is taken a pre-scripted template and tried to pull it into my own business. And in one of the emails, Even though I reworked the text so it wasn't straight up plagiarizing, I had forgotten to swap out one of the links. And so when the email went out, the link was actually pointing to this other business owner's landing page. Now, I caught the email before it went to the entire list, so it only went to a handful of people. But it was one of those same moments that kind of stopped me dead in my tracks and caused this monumental shift. It was just one of those like lightning bolt moments where it was like, what are you doing? Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, you're back in this place where you're acting out of desperation and you're making messy and dysfunctional moves. Now, was it unethical? I would argue yes. Did I flat out plagiarize something? No, but I certainly did rework a template that another business owner used for their business. This stuff happens all the time online. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with other colleagues and business owners of mine where they're watching their stuff being actually like flat out ripped off, like word for word ripped off and not from templates that they're giving away or selling. Like people are flat out mimicking their exact programs, their exact emails. I've even seen testimonials ripped off of people's websites and then claimed as another business owners. And they're clearly not. That actually happened in one of my businesses. This is a huge problem in the online space. Now, at this time period for me, I was in a similar situation of desperation that I needed to make this work. And so I was more focused on avoiding failure, which meant I needed to find the thing. What's the thing? What's the thing that's going to do it? 
And my mind was not in the best place. It certainly was not in the place where I could channel my own creative power. And that's where I really should have been asking those different questions. Why am I in this place? What is contributing to me being in this place? And what is the right kind of support that I need right now? I didn't want to ask those questions because I would first have to admit that I was flailing and I was potentially failing and that I might not be cut out for this. I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to even explore the idea that maybe I'm not meant to be a business owner. I was so deep in denial, I didn't even realize it. But when you look back and you actually watch my behaviors, they're being done out of a place and a space and a being that is desperate. I actually paused all activities when that happened. I never wrote an email off of anyone else's template ever again, paid for or not. That caused me to take a step back and face the reality of where I was at. Because what that moment did for me was show me that it was more important for me to be in integrity than it was to avoid failure. And being in integrity meant I had to actually face that reality and I had to ask the hard questions. I had to allow the feelings of not feeling good enough come in. I had to admit that I was off track. I had to admit that I'm not channeling my own creative power here and I had to ask why. I had to explore, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a business owner. Again, it's obviously not for a lack of effort. I was showing up, I was taking action. But here's the thing, I was underperforming in certain areas and I was overperforming in the wrong areas. And so when I stepped back and realized I was underperforming in the area of my creative genius, but I was overperforming in building what I thought was the right kind of business, right? Like it needed to look a certain way because that's what all the gurus tell me. And that's what all the you know mentors tell me is like, you have the system and you have the funnels and you have all this stuff. And I was so deep into that. I was doing all this action in all of these areas. And that was literally siphoning away the energy that I could have been contributing to channeling my creative power. It's incredibly easy to be influenced by the outside world and for our voices to start sounding like other people. All we have to do is open up Instagram and we can immediately find ourselves comparing ourselves to someone else's journey and instinctively feeling like they're doing it right and we're doing it wrong. And as a business owner, it can be especially easy to feel like there's some secret solution out there that you haven't yet found to cutting through all the noise so you can just corner the market that you're seeking. While I am all about not reinventing the wheel, when it comes to your messaging, when it comes to your voice, working off of someone else's template does not work. It requires you to step back and ask yourself, am I in any form of mimicry? Because you might unknowingly be doing that. When we get onto our Instagram feeds and we see things that we like or we see business owners that we admire, it is very easy to become like those people. It's very unconscious where we start to adopt that style. It's kind of like when you adopt the accent, when you're around someone who has a certain accent, you kind of start talking like that as well. That's what also happens in the business world. Each and every one of you has a creative genius. It's inside of you. This is not about not allowing yourself to be inspired or admire what other people are doing. 
And it's certainly not about seeking to be so original, so unique that you've taken it to the other extreme where you're stalling from showing up because you feel like everything's been said or that business owner's already saying it. Again, it's about balance, but it's about also realizing that your best ideas, your best ways to connect with people, your magnetism is inside of you. And that cannot be produced off of someone else's template. Here's a question to ask yourself. What is driving you? Because as I said earlier, what was driving me in that moment was the need to avoid failure and how to get results for me versus being predominantly focused on getting the best results for my clients. If you actually like quantified my thoughts, if you could track my thoughts in a week's time during this time period and add them up, I would have more thoughts in the column of what does this business do for me than I would have in the column of how can I get the best results and how can I make the biggest impact for my clients. Now, the balance is understanding that, of course, you should get a return on your work. Your business exists to make you money. Absolutely. I don't want anyone to hear this and think it's about making a sacrifice. You do call in the results on both fronts for you and your clients a lot more effortlessly, and it's a lot more satisfying, but it's about knowing how to tap into your voice. I can say for me, it's very clear that I was focused on trying to figure out what I needed to say to influence people to buy than I was on mastering my truest voice. I look back and I can see now that I didn't even know what my voice was because I didn't know who I was. I wasn't doing that work. I didn't want to show that vulnerability. I didn't want to raise my hand to say that maybe I was struggling internally because I was and get the kind of support that I needed to step into myself. So of course my self and my voice, my truest authentic voice was lost in my business. And so of course I felt like I needed to lean on the voices of other people. I was deep into perfectionism. It needed to look a certain way. It needed to be polished. There was a lot of shooting going on in my business. And sure, I was using my voice. I was articulate and I could speak to things and I could show up and do videos, but that doesn't actually mean it was my expression. And so I had to ask myself, was I actually expressing myself or was I trying to force an impression because I thought it's what would get me what I was saying I wanted. One of the things that I really believe, Shauna, is that, you know, finding your voice and building up the confidence to share it really starts with finding yourself. And in order for us to be able to just show up as who we are, we have to know who we are. And a lot of us think that we know who we are, but we spend so much time understanding what other people's expectations of us are that we honestly lose our own identities. We lose our own voices and we start to sound like everyone else. This is Amber Williams, brand strategist and copywriter who is on a mission to help people find and speak from their voices. Stepping back to find myself again and to reassess my path forward was what was necessary for me. And I was so delighted to hear Amber share how stepping back for her is now a process she happily gives herself during phases of growth. One of the things that I did a couple months ago is I completely quit Instagram. I quit all visibility efforts. (laughs) I just quit. 
because I needed to spend some time with myself. I needed to spend some time writing and creating my message and sharing my voice with me, myself and I, you know, on my journal on a daily basis. So I can just ground myself and remind myself of who I am. A necessary step that shouldn't have to come because something bad happened, like in my example, but maybe just an essential step that should be built into your workflow from time to time, solely as a little check-in, because it's so easy to get off track in a noisy world. Ironically, as I'm producing and writing this podcast as we speak, I'm taking my own step back. I've stepped back from Instagram myself. I've not been posting personally on my account. I've not been posting in my stories. I'm in a place of reassessing. When I do feel like sharing now periodically on Instagram or email or LinkedIn, I honestly don't feel like there are any strings attached to it. I can be exactly who I am. And however people receive that is how they receive it. And after a while, you start to get down to the smallest viable audience, what Seth Godin calls the smallest viable audience of people that really, really want to hear your voice. And I think that that's worth more than amassing a huge community of followers who follow you because you live up to their expectations. And right there was at the heart of why I was underperforming. As I said before, I was underperforming in the areas that did matter because I was overperforming in the areas that really weren't going to move the needle forward. Overperforming in how the website looked, color schemes, what the fonts were, underperforming in my own expression. And I wasn't in my truest expression because I was too focused on the expectations of my audience. I was taking shortcuts because I wasn't in a place within myself to ask those bigger questions like, Why did I not think my voice could carry the conversions that I was seeking? Why did I think other people knew better than I did in terms of how to influence my target audience to buy? And honestly, it's a really simple answer. I was trying to appease a large audience before I knew who I really was and what my message was really about. Amber and I were talking about how it's not that business owners are intentionally stifling themselves. A lot of times they don't even realize they're doing it. I thought for a long time that my voice was my expression, and I'd argue now those are two different things. I thought who I was being was me, and if we're really getting technical, it was a me focused on what I thought everyone else wanted. It was a me who wasn't grounded into the deeper level purpose of my work, and it was a me who was very afraid of offending or being taken the wrong way. It's very common to see business owners in a state of mind operating in a way where they're spending a lot of energy thinking about how to say what they want to say, so much so that the actual message gets watered down. Not to mention, they're looking at other experts in the field to see how they're amassing their success and inadvertently thinking they need to be more like that. It's nuanced because your purpose should start first and foremost with you. It's about work that lights you up, that you have a connection point with for whatever reason. So I know it can get confusing when on one hand we're saying, you're making it about you, stop doing that. But what we really mean is, out of all of the reasons you're doing something, you are in your business in the first place. What is it that it is really about for you? 
my question to you know the clients that I work with, perhaps during times of crisis, is what is your primary purpose as a brand? Everyone should have a one-word purpose that shapes all of their messaging, all of their actions. Perhaps your brand's purpose is to enlighten. Perhaps your purpose is to motivate. Maybe it's to assure, to affirm. Whatever that purpose is, you have to make sure that what you're saying, what you're commenting on, what you're engaging in dialogue around serves that purpose. Because at the end of the day, that's what people look to your brand for. Don't try to take the place of what people look to another brand for. Stay in your lane. And that's part of being you, right? What is it really about for you? Because it's not about the money primarily, at least for most people listening to this podcast. If it was about the money for me, if it was about the fame for me, trust me, I would have not taken the path to become a coach. I most certainly would not have taken the path to become a life coach, a mindset coach. What is this really about for you? This is what we mean when we say you've got to ground yourself into the most true intention. You could have all of the the visibility and the external eyeballs on you in the world, but what does that mean if you are not grounded, if you're not content within yourself, if you're not clear on your purpose, who you are, and on your voice. And so for me, being seen is really about understanding who Amber is, understanding what it is that I need to do, what it is that I want to do, and not what it is that I feel like I quote unquote have to do to appease others. What would it look like for you to release the expectations of others, meaning what you think your audience wants to hear, the pressure coming from your spouse or family to make it work, the comparison pressure you feel from watching competitors in your space, and the pressure to hit certain quantitative milestones, revenue, number of followers, conversions. If results were guaranteed and you didn't have to worry about how to get those results, All you needed to focus on was performing your service in a way that got your intended audience as much impact as possible. What would you do? What would that look like for you? I asked Amber to share an example from her life. I spent some time last year developing what I call my signature six brand voice types for women entrepreneurs. And every time I work to develop a new concept, I search for an outlet to test this concept. Like what small, low risk audience can I, you know, introduce this concept to where I can get feedback, where I can validate it, where I can understand if there needs to be improvements on it. And even in that effort to just validate or just test I was still trying to figure out, you know, what can I get out of this? And I think that's how we are almost wired to think. We're wired to sort of calculate the potential qualitative and quantitative return for us just sharing our message when I think that's the wrong approach. And so when I went into this podcast interview, I kind of let my guard down a bit and I just removed all expectations around getting any sort of 
financial return on sharing my message. I really just enjoyed myself. And, you know, I freely opened up about my signature six brand voice types. I held nothing back. You know how we have those rules in our head, share the what and the why, you know, the how costs money, all of that crazy stuff. I shared everything. What, why, how, when, who, everything. I want to pause here for a moment because I have to wholeheartedly agree that I have had way more success by giving away the farm than practicing all of those rules marketers in the past have told you to do to hold back, save the best stuff for post-conversion. Because some of the best things that have happened to me in my business in my lifetime have come as a result of me not holding back. And as you'll see from Amber, good things happen to those who execute on their value. A couple of months after that podcast interview episode went live, the Tory Burch Foundation reached out to me. And, you know, it's interesting because I had my assistant like triple check the person that it was coming from at the foundation just to make sure that I wasn't being punked, you know, because I'm thinking, how in the world did the Tory Burch Foundation find me? And they were requesting that I give a speech to their audience of thousands of women entrepreneurs on brand voice. And when I had my call with them, they told me that they had heard my signature six brand voice types on this podcast out of the UK that I was viewing as just a place to test. And so I say all that to say that when we hone in on our voice or when we clarify our message, the methods by which you know we go about sharing it should number one, feel effortless, but it should also be fun. And we should not view it as something to get something out of all the time because you never know what's truly going to come back, how that circle or that curl is going to come all the way around for you. This is what just being seen looks like when you're not overthinking it, when you're grounded in who you are, when you know your stuff makes a difference in the world. And so that takes me to the next point. Perhaps all this holding back, this resistance to showing up, what if the fear is not so much about it not working out? What if it does work out? Are you prepared to receive the results you're wanting? Are you ready for thousands of eyeballs on you? Are you willing to put yourself in front of a new audience in your fullest expression, people who you don't know? knowing there will likely be some people who don't like it. It is a different experience going from a very small, pretty curated audience to a large audience or lots of conversions. As someone who's been there, let me tell you, it's on one hand what you say you're wanting and on the other hand, a lot of times incredibly overwhelming. Anyone who has had a moment like this happen, like the example Amber is giving here, knows that freak out moment when you get exactly what you say you've been wanting, but you're like, holy shit, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I was so incredibly nervous, Shauna, I was shaking. My hands were shaking. And my husband was in here. He was helping me decorate my walls. Like I was trying to be absolutely perfect for this presentation. But I think the thing that made me nervous, it was almost like a nervous excitement. So I wasn't nervous about the material that I was presenting. I was incredibly confident in that material. I think I was just nervous at the fact that 
there's thousands of women watching and this is the Tory Burch Foundation, you know, don't mess up. You know, I'm a perfectionist. And so after I got through that intro, that first 10 minutes, I was completely fine because I got into my zone, my zone of genius, the stuff that I share with everyone. And it taught me an important lesson. And that is that whether you're speaking to five people, 500 people or 5,000 people, when you know your stuff, you know your stuff. And if you can compel five people, you can compel 5,000 people because it's the same stuff. And so after that speaking engagement, more engagements came and now I'm incredibly comfortable. It doesn't matter how large the audience or how much is quote unquote at stake, my voice and my message is always going to work. And I think everyone should have confidence in that. When you know your stuff, you know your stuff. Here's the deal. If you don't know it, you'll likely get opportunities to see where those gaps are, or you'll hold opportunities subconsciously at arm's length until you feel confident enough. Not totally confident, but confident enough to cross the bridge and know you will deal with whatever comes up. So ask yourself, get quiet, put your hand on your heart. Do you know your stuff? Where might I have any gaps to fill? And am I being honest about the answer to this question? Because some of you, I would argue most of you listening, are overqualified and are so filled up with wisdom and knowledge, but you're not pouring that out onto others. You're holding back. And some of you may legitimately need to close some gaps. I want you to try to approach this question with a neutral, unemotional position and come at some of this reflection with a lot of grace. Because the reality is, deep down, the real you, you would much rather be patient and wait for the big opportunities, the ones that really matter, for when you are confident enough to know you've got this, than force yourself to be there prematurely. This is the work we as business owners need to be rising to the occasion to. The work I would argue is not getting enough attention. The work of knowing yourself. We should be giving this enough, and I would argue more attention than the Instagram strategy itself. I asked Amber what she thinks hinders our self-awareness in terms of being visible and putting ourselves out there. What distracts us from doing the real work or why we put the cart before the horse? Well, I think the the gratification and, you know, the confirmation that comes from likes, <laughs> from comments, from sometimes artificial metrics that make us think that we're doing the right thing or that make us think that we're growing and taking steps toward our goal. I think that's the biggest thing. Yes, we chase numbers. Every business owner does it. Revenue, followers, comments, views, more is more. I've had a few conversations with my podcast producer, Jeremy, here who does all of the producing of this. And several times we've talked about the numbers where he's validated that some of the most viewed podcasters are struggling financially or getting few returns. And those with numbers some might label as low are getting incredible returns. Most social media experts will also tell you to focus on the audience quality, not the numbers, but we still find ourselves ruminating over those pesky metrics. It's natural for us as humans to need and want validation. You know, being an entrepreneur can feel incredibly scary. You know, it's an insecure place to be 
on a day-to-day basis when you're chasing your dream and there's no guarantee, there's no promise, and you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. And so being seen externally for some can offer that validation that keeps people moving toward their goal. And what I'm saying is that that validation and that confirmation should come from within first. So that regardless of how people view you externally, you still know who you are, you still know where you are, and you still know where you're going. It's interesting because a lot of us are afraid of what people think, even if we don't say that out loud. So while we chase the numbers, we actually don't want them. And I mean want them to the subconscious part of you who avoids rejection at all costs. So on one hand, we're working fiercely to find ways to increase the eyeballs on us, learning what to say, what to do, how to act, how to style your Instagram grid, what filters to use, all performative techniques to attract people. And on the other hand, we're totally stripping the human out because the stakes are higher when it's the real us on the line. It's one thing when someone attacks your best and most polished version of yourself, your subconscious is going, that stung. And now you want me to put the real me out there? Forget this. But here's what started to happen, as you've likely noticed over the years. The buttoned up dress for the job you want idea of professional has changed in behavior and communication, certainly in appearance. And you have this huge audience just craving something real, something genuine. And when it comes to business owners, the ones who are killing it these days, those are the ones that are real down to the core. They're authentic. They're genuine. And this doesn't mean no Botox, no filters. I mean authentic in that they own who they are. They own who they are all the way down to their core. Filter, no filter, Botox, no Botox, Enneagram 4, 7, 2, 98, whatever those are, manifesting generators, whatever, whatever these labels are, they own who they are all the way down to their core. Nathan Apodaca. You should know his name because he's the man who went viral in September 2020 for a TikTok selfie video of him lip syncing to Fleetwood Mac while cruising on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. Last I checked, it had more than 13 million views on TikTok alone. I don't know if you know the story behind that video, but he was on his way to work and his truck that had more than 300,000 miles broke down. So he got out his skateboard and just skated to work. He made more than $10,000 in donations and Ocean Spray gifted him a new truck with a cab full of cranberry juice, by the way. And I'm sure many other benefits have come out of it. The crazy thing is he almost didn't post it because he didn't think it was risky or exciting enough for his audience to like. He said he almost deleted it. Talk about an amazing example of someone literally just being and being rewarded for it. And then, of course, you saw tons of people replicating it and downloading the song Dreams and putting their own spin on it, including the CEO of Ocean Spray. Amber and I were talking about this as a classic example of total authenticity and laughing because we know if he set out to make that video from a place that was pre-planned, it probably wouldn't have gotten the same traction. Exactly, because he would have thought too hard about the strategy and how he needed to position himself for the camera and and all of that stuff. So I think that sometimes, Shauna, we have to challenge ourselves to do what we want to do and what we would naturally do if no one was watching and just practice that regularly and then turn the camera on occasionally, just like this guy 
and keep doing what you're doing and not think about the reactions, the return, you know, what's going to come of it. And in this season, that has really brought me the most joy this quarter. I sort of made this mental shift very recently, and it's brought so much more creativity to my life, so much more gratification. I feel so much more validation in my own path. And so, you know, just do what you would do if no one was watching. We get this. We crave this. We see it when we see it. So we try to replicate this and it often gets so overthought that the execution might be great, but the energy behind it falls flat. You've likely noticed an increase in performative vulnerability or performative humanness. And I say this knowing that I've done this and most of you have too. You just don't know you're doing it. I didn't know I was doing it, but it doesn't take much extra thought to suck the energy right out of those perfect movements you're making. Ever since I stopped competing in classical piano performance, I've always had a weird thing about playing for people. I still have it, but one of my highlights of my year in 2021 was not only moving into a gorgeous new home, but having the space for my parents to ship down the very grand piano that I grew up playing on. And as part of my process for fully receiving this, this was a huge, huge emotional deal for me to have this piano in my home. It still is. I can barely get through that sentence without breaking down emotionally. But I made this promise to myself to work on my resistance to playing publicly. So I stretched myself. I started turning on my camera on my phone to videotape my playing so I could hear and I could watch it as an outsider. One occasion, I took it a step further and decided to stretch myself and share it to my Instagram, which, by the way, is way more intimidating posting that than anything I could ever post for my business, by the way. I just wanted to post it because I wanted to share a sort of intimate connection point, something that's important to me in my life. Something tells me that guy didn't care if people cared. And the same thing with your piano video. I watched it. You were in your element. There was no like staging for this IG story. And I have to believe that you maybe also didn't care what people thought about that. And so I think, you know, we need a a couple of ounces of I don't care in us as we share parts of our lives, as we share our message, as we hone our voice. Because I'll tell you, when it comes to brand voice, and, you know, this is this is the area that I support my clients with and really clarifying what their voice is when it comes to identifying the right brand voice for you. You can't do it in a box, in a silo, you know, just with your strategist in the room and say, okay, this is the voice that's really going to help us grow as a business. We're going to attract all the right people. You hone in on your voice by continuing to talk, by continuing to use it, right? During times when it doesn't matter and also during times when the stakes are high. And after a while, you start to notice a pattern, but you have to take the pressure off of yourself because that's the only way that you're going to get to what's real. It's the only way you're going to get to the most authentic method of attracting the right people to your business. You're going to have to be you constantly. Just turn the camera on and speak. Just write the message and post. Leave room for mistakes to be made and for your human to show. 
in a way that's not overthought and lacking your luster. Get your 10,000 hours under your belt of just showing up and challenging yourself to be just a little bit more you each and every time, which means saying what you really want to say a little bit more, maybe in the way you want to say it a little bit more, and risking to show the world the you when no one's looking just a little bit more. We overcomplicate it because we think about it. We leave too much room between the inspiration and the action that we get into our heads and then we linger in our minds where all these thoughts are created. I promise you, it does get easier with time. Yeah, it's time. And and in addition to time and consistently showing up, it's also keeping a circle of, you know, colleagues that know you and you know them who trust you and you trust them and people who are willing to check you (laughs) to keep you being you. And that has helped tremendously. So in those moments where maybe, you know, losing someone, a client or an opportunity has, you know, stung a bit, having a circle of people who can remind me of all that there is to gain and who can remind me of who I am and why being who I am is the right thing to continue doing. I mean, that has contributed mostly to to the mindset that I have today. I tell my clients and high mind members all the time, we are becoming more sophisticated bullshit detectors when it comes to our consumerism. We are becoming more conscious consumers and we must bring a relaxed sense to the structure, to the method, to the action taking. Not this overly concerned, convincing, calculated effort to influence people to turn their heads. Customers today are highly aware of what brands are here to do. They see the sale coming, you know, from 10 miles away and their expectations for authenticity, transparency, all of that are are higher than they've ever been. And they expect that from large global brands and they expect that from the thought leaders that they follow. And so I say that to say that they can see through anything that's not true. And so it's important to be seen by the definition that we've shared today, because that is your springboard for real and authentic growth. And that foundation of truly understanding your purpose and where you're going, that's the work that you need to do to figure out what you're going to say along the way. But without doing that work, you're just saying things and your voice and your message can easily spiral out of control. And that's when you lose people, that's when you lose opportunities, and worst of all, that's when you lose yourself. And so that grounding and being seen internally is the most important work that I can think of for anyone to do. Grounding. We have to get at what fuels our visibility efforts. Where are we coming from? Who are we being? We have to look at what gets in our way, where we feel ourselves holding back from the world, especially holding back our gifts. And this means looking at the wounds in these areas, our sensitivities in these areas, times when we have been invalidated or told we don't matter or to shut up or that we're too quiet, too bold, too bitchy, too nice, too sarcastic, and how these experiences 
may have created triggers today for you that cause you to overthink it, to spend more effort in pressing versus connecting, overly concerned with what your audience thinks versus inspiring them with your gifts. I sort of see it as an inhale and an exhale. I see using your voice as an expression in outward motion. The other reason I see grounding is so important is that it's what keeps us focused because we know the power of authenticity and we know people are craving it. And these days we're seeing what some label as performative vulnerability because we know vulnerability works when it's done authentically. But as Amber said, we can sniff that stuff out. And when we do the work on ourselves, we don't have to feel like we need any tactics or a 10-step guide for showing up authentically or vulnerably. We just show up because we're grounded and we've done the work by going inward. And further, that focus allows us to stay on track with what really matters because it can be really easy for someone to hear what we're saying here and think it's all about expressing all over the place, responding to everything they see, hear, comment on, and everything. And yes, that would be great practice in terms of expressing, but sometimes the most influential thing you can do with your voice is not to use it. This is where discernment is key and doing the inner work to know what earns your response. This is, I'm sure, not a surprise to you, but I completely disagree with this idea that we always have to have an opinion and share an opinion. You know, I just posted something the other day and it said that maturity is realizing how many things don't require your comment. And I often, I have that written down in one of my journals on the front page. And I often go back to that every time something comes up and I feel like, you know, maybe I should share an opinion. You know, I need to share something. But the truth is we don't. We don't always have to comment or weigh in on conversations. It's not always appropriate. It's not always part of your brand, you know? And so I think personally, We all have different morals and values, things that ground us and shape the way that we do things, the way that we think, you know, the way that we lead our families, the way that we raise children. And so on certain matters, personal matters, yeah, you probably should have an opinion on certain things. But does that mean that you always have to share it and engage in dialogue about it? No, I don't think so. And my thinking has evolved in that area because of what you just mentioned, Shauna, because of how many performances we are witnessing, how how many people are just saying stuff, how many brands are just releasing statements just so they can say that they did it. And I think that we're at a place now where customers, investors, you know, the rest of the world really is starting to see through a lot of that. It reminds me of an episode on the show Yellowstone one of the latest seasons where Beth, who's the daughter of this wealthy, powerful rancher, is always stirring up drama at the dinner table. She just can't make it through a single meal at the table. And at one point, she had walked out of dinner. Her fiance comes up to her and says, what sort of childhood bullshit are you working out at the dinner table? I think of when I wasn't grounded before I was doing the inner work and before I set out on that journey And how often I was using my voice. It's not that I wasn't using it, but that voice was coming from a triggered reactionary place. So yes, I was using my voice. Sure, I was talking. 
I couldn't say I was truly communicating though because I wasn't in communication with myself. So this is the power of going inward because when you speak, it should mean something. You deserve to have people listen, but are you in communication with yourself first? Have you been listening to yourself, to your body? Are you focused on responding to the right things or are you reacting to things that are off target, not productive, not contributing to your life and well-being? So just last month, I had an opportunity to serve as the head creative director for one of my beauty brand clients for their photo shoot. Head creative director is the highest ranking person on a photo shoot set. It is the dream, okay? It is a dream position. I remember just as I got there, my client said, you know, I trust you to make all decisions for my brand today. Nobody comes to me, everybody goes to you. And there was a moment shortly after she said that where I froze a bit and I was somewhat in a state of shock, perhaps just a you know overwhelming feeling of this moment being surreal. And it took me back to 12 years ago, the very first time I stepped onto a photo shoot for a beauty and fashion brand. And what was told to me was not to speak. I was told very directly and clearly, you are not here to talk at all. No ideas, no suggestions, nothing. And that came from the head creative director for that shoot. And I'll never forget sort of the split decision in my mind at that very moment. And I told myself, you can either have an attitude about what this guy just said, or you can try to figure out why he wants you to shut up. And so I chose the latter. And I sat there and I listened for 10 hours on this shoot. I didn't utter a word to anyone. I listened and listened and listened. And for the next few weeks and few months in that position for this brand, I listened and I did not use my voice at all externally. Instead, Every night when I got home from work, and this is when I was at Armani very early in my 20s, every night when I got home from work, I would journal all of my ideas because I've always had tons of ideas and I've always had a voice that I felt like needed to be shared. But I realized that that wasn't the season for sharing. It was the season for honing. And so I would write down every single thought that I had for months until someone finally asked me what I thought. And as I fast forwarded 12 years later in this position on this beauty shoot last month, I realized that all of us go through these different seasons. And when it comes to harnessing our brand voice, there are seasons to speak and there are seasons to be still. There are seasons to be loud, there are seasons to be quiet, there are seasons to engage, and there are seasons to observe. It's almost like stations. And I have learned that at every single station or season, when I've been told to be quiet, it's actually mustered up a boldness in me and a confidence in me to enter into the next season 
when I am asked to speak or asked to lead. And that has been one of the biggest lessons of my career is to understand what season I'm currently in and to be okay with that and to give it my all because every season requires something different. What season? And I would argue to also ask yourself, what stage is mine? In overexertion of your voice or a voice directed from the wrong stage, which is likely coming from a place of needing to prove yourself, will have the opposite effect. We have to take context into consideration. And the context here was that this is Armani. Okay, this is the big leagues. You're 22. You have absolutely no experience in anything. This is the head creative director. You are the lowest ranking person in the room out of 65 people on set. And furthermore, this person's direct report is your direct report. And for some reason, I was invited to even attend this shoot when the other people in my position are grabbing coffee somewhere. And so, you know, taking all of that into consideration, had to ask myself, why? And I saw all of my peers being left behind, but I'm here. And so his exact language wasn't shut up. It was, you don't speak here today. And so, like I said, there was a split decision in my mind, but I chose to listen and to learn because this guy was brilliant and I respected him tremendously. And he was never disrespectful to me. And the truth is a lot of times today, so many people get defensive or they think that their voice needs to always be heard or they need to always be talking and they don't. Sometimes we don't need to always be talking. Sometimes our voice does not need to be heard on this particular thing. Sometimes we're in a season of learning and listening. If you're listening, I'm going to go out on a ledge and say that while all of us need to consider the facets of this that we're outlining here, most of you have been listening. You've been watching. You've been observing. And perhaps have been resisting putting yourself out there to be seen on your appropriate stage in your appropriate season. And so you don't need an emphasis on the conversation of discernment as much as you need to read between the lines of what Amber is saying and realize that you have been honing. If you know you're still scared to be seen, if you know you're still resisting being visible, and you know you've been aware of this being a challenge of yours you need to overcome, then I would say to you, more emphasis on the fact that you're not out there when you should be, is not needed here. But instead, a welcome perspective shift so you can finally move forward. And that perspective shift is this. If you believe me when I say you have put in your time to listen, to gather, you've been amassing knowledge and experience, you are overqualified, as I've said earlier. You have something to say. And if you can right now elevate yourself in your mind to your empowered state, not the reactive state, not the ego state, but your empowered state of mind, where from that place, you have to realize you're choosing not to show up. I want you to ask yourself this from that empowered place. Should I choose to keep honing or is it time to speak up? If it's time to speak up, then you got to just do it. 
You gotta be fearless and know you know what to do next. You do not have to live in this powerless place where you feel like you just can't. You can choose to hone and to stay back, but just know it's a choice. I want you to make that decision from an empowered place with the understanding that you are choosing not to be seen right now and to accept that and accept where you're at without any shame, without any judgment, without any guilt. Some people do need more patience in this area. And as we've already talked about and outlined, being seen and showing up has some deep nervous system roots. So if you ask that question of yourself and you realize you do need a little bit more time, what if you are really in some resistance? What if you are listening to this and you feel some movement, but that fight or flight system is still kicking up some dust every time you try to put yourself out there? The next episode will help. Next time on Just Being Seen. SVB here, hoping that you're coming off this episode inspired and challenged to see how good it can get for you in your journey to showing up and being seen in your gifts. If you're desiring the crash course to deepening into the truth of who you are and embodying that and taking action from that place, you are going to want to get on the wait list for the next round of Mind Over Matter. Head on over to shaunavanbogart.com forward slash M-O-M waitlist. And if you're loving this series, guess what? There's bonus episodes, behind the scenes video, and other discussions happening over on the Just Being Patreon community. Join in on the fun at patreon.com forward slash just being. And as always, the best compliment that you can give me in this work is to take 30 seconds to leave a review over on iTunes. Just Being is produced by Jeremy Enns and the team at Counterweight Creative. Special thanks to the variety of people who've had their hands on some aspect of this creative piece, including my featured guests, and to the right-hand women that I am honored to call my team. Kelly Elizabeth, Jess Butler, I see you, I appreciate you, and know that your support in this work is changing the lives of women around the world. <laughs>